Who decides medicine prices? How are vaccines made? Have questions about the healthcare industry? Welcome to 19 Conversations. Today, we're asking Chris Schedule, a director at the Office of Health Economics, can a shared understanding of unmet medical needs support innovation? I'm Sue Saville. Thank you for joining the conversation. Chris, welcome. So we hear this phrase, unmet medical needs, and we think perhaps we understand what it means, that it is what it says on the tin, that it's medical needs that are as yet unmet. So what would you say then are, are the challenges to understanding what that phrase can mean in different contexts? Uh, thanks, Sue. It's very nice to be here. Um, ultimately, the idea of unmet medical need is about assigning special priority to one condition over another. On one level, anyone who's currently living in anything less than perfect health can be said to have a health need. But as a society, we believe that some health needs are more pressing than others. The, the concept of an unmet medical need is society's way of saying this need is more pressing than this other need. So why don't we perhaps have a, a common understanding then of what that definition should be? There's a lot of stakeholders in the healthcare space and everyone has a slightly different understanding of which needs need greater priority are more pressing than others. So we can imagine that, that the individual patients see their needs as more pressing than others. Healthcare providers have a particular perspective on what they would like to see prioritized. The wider healthcare system wants to ensure the sustainability and affordability of the system, so they have a different set of priorities again. And then finally, the pharmaceutical industry wants to have some reliable signal of where innovation is most needed and where their investments are going to be rewarded. So because there's these competing perspectives on what the most pressing needs are, there's, there's legitimate disagreement on what represents the greatest priority. So it's not necessarily surprising that it's hard to come to some single mutually acceptable definition of what this relatively complex term, uh, relatively esoteric term means. And without that common understanding, without alignment, what are the consequences? We've used the analogy of everyone on a football pitch playing by a slightly different set of rules. So you can imagine that everyone's running in a slightly different direction. The teammates aren't cooperating because they don't quite have the same understanding of what the objective is. One person understands that the objective is to put the ball in the back of the net. A different person on the field believes, no, the objective is to keep the opponent's ball out of the back of our net. So uh, there are times where they're cooperating, but times that they may be having different priorities, pulling in different directions. So that's sort of the consequence of not having this mutual shared single understanding of, of what an unmet need is and therefore what the relative priority of some specific conditions is. Isn't perhaps the lowest common denominator that it simply means there is unmet medical need where there is no treatment for a certain condition? That is one way to define an unmet medical need, but it's not the only way and it's not necessarily the most important way. Um, there are factors, the impact on the patient, you know, is this an immediately life-threatening condition that arguably has some role in determining how great that unmet need is? What's the societal burden? Are there a lot of patients with this condition or are there very few patients? Is it a, a very expensive condition for the healthcare system to treat, in which case it sort of takes away resources from other parts of the healthcare system or even other parts of society? So again, there's different ways to define what an unmet need is. And because of this lack of alignment, the system isn't able to consistently and transparently prioritize different levels of unmet need. 
It's interesting you mentioned the system there, because of course, we've very recently in November had the very first EU pharmaceutical strategy. And in their headlines, they have the four pillars that they're aiming to achieve. And the very first pillar talks about uh, gaining access for affordable medicines and addressing unmet medical needs. It's right up there as the top priority. So if so, how can perhaps the pharmaceutical strategy or a new framework bring together the stakeholders that you refer to there and help them to work together towards shared objectives? Well, that is the big challenge in this area, that everyone recognizes it's important, but no one can quite agree on what it means. So I I agree that the pharmaceutical strategy is a step in the right direction, but one of the big challenges is very much because there are so many players and so many stakeholders involved in this area that simply imposing one vision of what unmet medical need represents isn't arguably to me the appropriate solution. There needs to be a shared understanding. The the importance is coming to a shared understanding so that everyone is pulling in the same direction. Having one body, in this case, the European Commission, say, well, this is how we understand unmet need is perhaps a step in the right direction that they're acknowledging it and they're putting out uh, their understanding. But at the same time, there needs to be a consultation around that so that all the other stakeholders can sign on, can agree, can have their say in, well, that we accept this part, but we disagree on that part. So I think this is an important first step, but there still needs to be a lot of consultation and a lot of alignment among the different stakeholders. So if a new definition needs to be worked towards, what sort of principles should underlie that in terms of trying to achieve something everybody could sign up to then? Well, we've suggested something economists and and ethicists call principles of distributive justice. So these are not rules, but objectives that we're trying to achieve. And broadly, we can see that within the context of healthcare, there's probably three principles that we'd be concerned about. So the idea of need, um, so this would suggest that resources should be prioritized relative to a, a patient's need. There's a lot of argument over how need should be defined. Is it is it your proximity to death in the sense of, of mortality? Is it the quality of your life relative to someone in full health? So there are lots of different ways to define need. But in the context of health, most people can agree that, yeah, need should play some role. There's also the concept of equality and inequality. So resources should be prioritized in a way that addresses the people who are most unequal, who are missing out the most in terms of health relative to a general healthy population. And finally, there's the the economic concept of maximizing well-being. So resources should be prioritized to maximize overall well-being of the entire population, not necessarily singling out any specific individuals or groups, that, that the goal of a government is to make the society as well off as possible rather than individuals in the society. So each of these principles we can see clearly has some relevance to the problem of prioritizing unmet need, but equally there are tensions between those principles. So prioritizing individual patients on the basis of their need isn't necessarily consistent with making the overall aggregate well-being of society better off. So there are trade-offs to be made between these principles. So that's really what if and when stakeholders come to the table, these are the sorts of things that they need to discuss about what's the relative importance of each objective. Are we trying primarily to address need? Are we trying primarily to maximize overall well-being? And how do we make trade-offs between those two in specific circumstances? And with all of this, what we're hoping in the long run is that there's benefit to patients. And 
the incentives then perhaps need to be there to make sure that innovation can keep happening so that patients can benefit. If the the definition of unmet medical need could be in some way uh, brought together in a fairer way, as you described there, could this then benefit patients in terms of the incentivized innovation? Well, exactly. And that is the overarching objective, that in, in all cases, it's to make sure that patients as members of society are benefiting equally from the innovation and from the resources that are in the healthcare system. As it is, some conditions without a treatment are put on the sidelines to some extent because, well, we would like to be able to do something for you, but technologically, there is just simply nothing we can do. Most people in society would say, well, we're not happy with that reality. And therefore, we think people who are currently sidelined in some respects deserve some greater priority. But is the only thing that's keeping them on the sidelines the fact that there is no treatment? Or do we suggest that there's other things about their condition or about their characteristics that are also relevant to how much priority we think they should have? And like I say, to go back to the earlier point, I think focusing simply on a binary understanding of yes or no, is there a pill that you can take, isn't sufficient to understand relative priority. And picking up the point you made about where some conditions do already have a treatment, but it's not enough. I mean, there could be a condition like diabetes, where you you want to keep innovating, you want to keep that momentum going. And of course, there can be spin-offs. Once innovation is happening in the pharmaceutical industry, there can be spin-offs that benefit a wider group. So how can those incentives be kept in play if unmet medical need hasn't actually been clearly defined? Well, exactly. Again, and because of the time that it takes to achieve this innovation, the timelines for developing a drug from discovering the molecule to safety approvals and regulatory approvals and, and bringing it to the market is very substantially long. There's there's a long time investment. There's a long money investment. And like you say, the innovators need to be confident that that this thing that we start investing in today will still be valued and still be recognized and rewarded when we bring it to market 10 or 20 years from now. Um, the challenge now with lots of different understandings and nothing really carved in stone in terms of what will be rewarded in the future, if you start innovating now, there's no guarantee that this will be rewarded in the future. That makes it very difficult to prioritize, especially in areas of, of maybe smaller markets, smaller population sizes, the, the drug industry, the pharmaceutical industry obviously needs to be compensated and make a return on their investments. The safest returns on the investments are for very large populations. If we want to see innovation in some of these smaller patient populations, there needs to be some compensation and some recognition that we appreciate that you've innovated in this area and here is a reward for that innovation. Can you think of examples of perhaps where the lack of a common approach has hampered innovation? There are examples of different players within the same healthcare system, so different regulators at different stages in the process sort of coming to different decisions about the same product, that one agency within the system says, yes, this is an unmet need. A different agency in the exact same system says, we don't view this as a pressing need. We're not going to prioritize it in the same way that the other agency did. So this mixed signals leads to a lot of problems. There are also examples where everyone is actually on the same page. So there's something called the antibiotic paradox that everyone recognizes antimicrobial resistance is decreasing the effectiveness of the existing antibiotics that we have. 
everyone recognizes that this is a problem, but it's been an ongoing problem for 20 years that no one's been able to solve, despite the fact that everyone agrees this is an unmet need. So there are problems at both ends of the process that sometimes we can't agree on what is an unmet need. And other times, even though everyone agrees that this is an unmet need, we can't agree on the best way to address it or resolve it. And I wonder if perhaps the label of unmet medical need might be misused opportunistically occasionally, devaluing the concept. Perhaps to um, to misquote George Orwell, are some unmet medical needs more unmet than others? Yeah, exactly. So people start to lose faith in the idea that unmet medical need means anything. Um, and if if that system starts to break down and people think that there's no point in doing this, there's no point in participating in the process, then like you say, the, the process breaks down even further and it becomes even harder to produce innovations in these in these areas or or to signal that we really want and need innovation in these areas. So where do we go from here then, Chris? You mentioned about the patient. What about the public voice as well? What about consultation there to try to draw this forward and advance things so that actually innovation can continue and patients can be helped. Where do you see it going? What would you like to see happen? So it, it really is about having a, a genuine and open conversation between all the stakeholders. Um, no one player in the system can impose their vision of, of unmet medical needs on everyone else. There is no referee on the pitch to enforce a single set of rules. So everyone has to cooperate by agreement rather than by enforcement. So like I mentioned earlier, the idea of the European Commission putting forward this pharmaceutical strategy is an important step, but it should not be seen as the final step. It is the beginning of a process of consultation, of bringing everyone together and agreeing on what works and agreeing perhaps on what doesn't work in that pharmaceutical strategy and, and revising the bits that don't work in a collaborative way. And in an ideal world, how would it work? <laughs> um that's a very difficult question, and I, I don't have a good answer for you. I, I think I can't tell you what it looks like because the players themselves need to decide on what it's going to look like. Um, it's a bit of a cop-out answer, but the reality is this is a problem that needs to be solved together, and nobody's going to recognize a solution until it emerges from this process. It's, it's one of these difficult problems that we'll know the solution when we see it, but until we see it, we're not going to know what it is. Well, thank you, Chris. You've set the ball rolling there. Chris Schedule of the Office of Health Economics. Thank you very much then for listening to 19 Conversations. If you liked this podcast, please click the subscribe button to be the first to know when we release our next episode and please leave a rating and a review. So until our next episode, we'd invite you to join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag questions inspire solutions. Bye for now. 